This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. I am doing something a little different with the podcast. I am bringing you a special 12-part series, and in the series... I sit down with three presentation and communication experts to tackle some of the biggest presentation questions we receive from our audiences. The experts are global communications expert, Monique Russell, Robert Honorado, who's a director of education and a professional speaker, and then there's Diana Howells, an award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and global virtual trainer. You can check out their bios at the end of each show, but for now, tune in and take notes. This is going to be a good one. Hi there, Bridget McGowan here, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I have with me Diana Howells. Diana, welcome once again to the show. Thank you, Bridget. So I'm excited to talk about this topic slide design and do you need a slide deck and so on and so forth it's I I love talking all things PowerPoint design all that it's really lame but I do I really enjoy it so let's just dive in I know one of the questions we get is do you have to have a slide deck when you present yes or no Diana Oh, it's a great question. And I'm going to compliment, complicate it a little bit, Bridget, because I'm going to say it depends. And one of the classic, I think, foundational rules about using visuals is when your content calls out for clarity. And I'll say that again, when your content calls out for clarity, that's the perfect place to use a visual to help explain it, right? So when you are using things like structure and diagrams and spatial relationships or, or data or charts, a visual helps explain it in a way that words don't. And those are perfect opportunities to use what we really call a supporting visual. And I'm going to further complicate it <laughs> and say it depends even more on what kind of presentation you are giving because a keynote is going to be different from a breakout is going to be different from a training and so on and so forth you were just telling me about a keynote presentation you got to experience where you thought it was the one of the most effective ones ever and the presenter had not one slide no visuals at all. So compelling, so powerful, so inspirational, lots of stories, really effective connection. And it was virtual too, but no visuals, right? So it does really depend. So maybe we, we could talk, Bridget, about those different types of presentations, right? Where here the keynote was very effective without one, but but maybe what are some 
what are some types of presentations that are effective with visuals? Right. Well, definitely if you're doing a training or if you're teaching, I used to teach uh, at, actually at a number of different institutions and except for the ones, the courses that I taught online, except for those, uh, the ones that I taught in person, there was a community college and a four-year university. Yeah. Uh, nine times out of 10, I would have a slide deck with me. And the point behind it was a lot of times the concepts I was teaching were either new or maybe they were not exciting or maybe they were you know, a little complicated. And I liked having that visual reinforcement up there on the screen. So you're not just hearing my words, but then you also have you words to see to follow along with. And it just, you know, we all take in information or have preferred ways of taking in information. My husband is one of those people who could sit in a college classroom, sit in a training at work and just listen to the facilitator and, and get it all in and maybe mm -hmm. not even take one note, right? But then I'm one of those people where I need to have my book, my pen and paper, and I'm really hoping they have some great slides. And we'll talk mm -hmm. about what a great slide is. <laughs> I'm hoping they have some great slides to go along with the spoken message. So if you're delivering a training or if you're delivering some kind of a workshop where it just really reinforces what you're saying, Mm -hmm. then it's a really good idea to have some nicely designed slides. Um, even, even conference breakout sessions. Seldom do I present a conference breakout session without a slide deck. And it's because that room, usually they're practitioners and mm -hmm. they're coming in there for some content. So it's almost like a classroom. And I want to make sure that I'm giving them ample opportunity to, to take in as much information as they can. And I yeah. like to give them those slides in those instances too. Yeah. And, you know, I like to think about when somebody is casually getting together, let's say they go to a happy hour after work and they're explaining, Hey, you know, I'm going to redo whatever this part of my house, we're going to build this porch. And then they grab a napkin and then they start drawing out. This is what we're thinking the porch would look like. It's like a natural part of our conversation and communication to have a picture, an image, a visual that illustrates, expands on what we're talking about. So that's what we do in the presentation medium. So again, if your content calls out for more clarity, that's a way to use insert a visual. And like you talk about too, Bridget, with certain slides, even the research in the training field, in the learning field. Dr. R Dr. Richard Mayer has done a ton of research in this area, and he talks about how having a visual with keywords, which is just a few words, but they help together a few words with the image is so powerful for learning. Um, we don't want those excess text paragraphs and tons and tons and tons of bullets because that is not illustrating what your audio is already saying. Your speech presentation words are already saying, right? So we want to kind of build them together, pair them together so that they complement each other. So we don't want walls of text and, and lots of bullets, uh, listeners. That is not an effective way to create a slide. <laughs> I really should make this podcast video because Diana is having to suffer through looking at me just withering away. I look like this flower that is just dying over time. And she talks about these slides with wall, with, that's a wall of text. 
You know, do not do that to your audience. Like you said, design a slide with one fantastic graphic. And when I say fantastic, I mean it's high resolution, it's high quality, it's relevant, it's yes. and, and and it evokes an emotion in your audience that you may not be able to create with your words alone and just put one or two words, one word or quick phrase on there. Mm -hmm. And this kind of serves as your teleprompter in, in, in a sense or your notes, because when you look at either your confidence monitor or your own monitor, we'll talk more about that in a second, mm -hmm. or your DSM, I'll tell you what that is in a little bit. I just heard <laughs> that term the other day. I had to write it down. When you look at any one of those and you see, oh, there's a picture of a horse. Let me talk about mm. whatever. And it, it just reminds has one you. phrase on the screen. Mm -hmm. And you're able to just, you know, be really authentic, but don't have that wall of text up there. Do not do that. And if you do do it, okay, I'm going to be pretty mad, but if you do it, do not <laughs> read it to your audience. Do not read and it. And yes, I blogged about this, uh, I think in March of 2022, either March or April of 2022. I wrote about this on LinkedIn. Do mm -hmm. not have your audience, do not volunteer somebody from the audience to read it. Oh, either no. give them something to read beforehand, let them get into groups and read silently and then discuss, mm -hmm. but don't have somebody read it aloud because for the same reason you shouldn't read it to them, the audience can silently read mm -hmm. faster than you can read content to them. Just listen, everybody just redesign every single slide. Okay, <laughs> period. And, and that's the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, right. And you know, I think our and Bridget, you talk about this too, in your book, Real Talk, but the presentation rate of speech is about 140 to 180 words per minute or something like that. But the way that we speak, like you just said, is twice that, I think 400 words a minute. It's, it's yeah. right. So it's going to be at a different level. If they're already reading they're you're not going to be synchronized and they're not going to be hearing what you're saying, what you're saying. So yeah, it just, you know, it's something that takes us back to elementary school. We don't need to do that. We're all adults. So you never read it. Even if you have a testimonial quotation up on your slide, you can say, I'll be quiet for a moment while you go ahead and read that slide. We pause, we let people understand what you're doing, um, but we we don't need the verbatim part. So it's really you delivering the audio and then the visual, right? Supplements, enhances, clarifies um, all of that. Yeah. I, th now, I think- I, I, okay. I, I don't, I don't want to leave them hanging with, oh, did you have something else to say? Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I don't want to leave them hanging on the DSM piece. Okay, so <laughs> I mentioned either look at your monitor, not the screen where your PowerPoint presentation is being projected. If you need to figure out where you are, you need to reference your slides. Don't look back at that. I maybe we should to... say why, right? Because you turn your back. All of a sudden your back is to the audience. We never do that. Your energy is the front of you. When you turn your back, we just lost all your energy. Yeah. It's an amateur move. It's an amateur move. Your voice travels in the direction you're facing. So if you're turning and you're talking to the screen, the screen hears you really, really well, <laughs> but your audience does not. So your voice travels in the direction that you're facing. That's the first reason. 
Second, like Diana said, you're turning your back on your audience. If you were in a one-to-one setting at a mixer, would you turn your back and talk to this new colleague you just met? Would you go to dinner with your significant- That's so rude, right? (laughs) You go to dinner with your significant other and turn your chair and face, I don't know, or go sit at another table. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know, depending on your significant other, you might, but that's another podcast. (laughs) Um, But- So for those two reasons, just don't do it. They cannot hear you when you're looking in another direction, your audience that is, and then it's an amateur move and it's just rude. Now, I talked about looking at your own computer screen to reference where you are. I also talked about looking at a confidence monitor. You really see those confidence monitors on those big stages when you have a keynote address and you've got that person on the main stage, huge stage, and down at the, uh, sometimes right in the middle toward the bottom of the stage, in the middle, they'll have a confidence monitor, or they may even have one They may have three, one in the middle and then one on the left corner and the right corner of the stage. And this is so the speaker is not having to do that very thing. Turn and look back behind him or her to Mm -hmm. see what slide is being projected. They're able to discreetly just kind of glance down stage and Mm -hmm. see either one of those confidence monitors, which leads me to DSM, glance downstage at the monitor. So if you hear the term DSM, it's a downstage monitor. Same thing as a confidence monitor where you're just able to very discreetly check and see where you are. So and it's just a pro move. And so nice to have three, if you have the luxury of that, because then you can use the stage, right? So, you know, in transitions, you can move to the right, move to the left. As you change subtopics, you're you're working the room and you're using that stage and you might as well, because you want to be bigger, right? The bigger audience you have. So a lot of tips there about using slides. And, you know, earlier, Bridget and I talked about this idea of relevant images. So even if you like bunnies, and you think they're cute. If that is not what your presentation is about, you do not include bunnies in your visual. So many people will say, oh, it's so cute. I thought I'd put puppies up there. It has nothing to do with your topic. You want to choose relevant images, right? That keep people focused on what you are talking about so that your messaging comes across very clearly. And speaking of relevant images, make the images relevant to your audience. I cannot remember if I talked about this with you or someone else, but there is an activity that I do in a presentation where I talk about um, how environment dictates behavior. Mm. And I'll put up an image of, let's say, a party atmosphere, and I will ask the audience, "What's, what's your attitude here? What's your behavior like? Kind of footloose, fancy free? Uh, good times, letting down your hair. And then I'll put up an image of maybe Judge Judy Scheinlin. And I don't know, maybe she's softened in her older, in her (laughs) more mature years, but, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, oh my goodness, you did not go into her courtroom unprepared. And so I'll pop up an image of her and I'll ask, what's your attitude here? Mm -hmm. Fearful, nervous, scared. And then I'll pop up a picture of maybe a baby. Mm. But let me tell you, or or some puppies, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll ask, what's your attitude here? But I was recently delivering a presentation at a historically Black university. Mm-hmm. And I was very careful to make sure that I popped up a picture of Black babies mm-hmm. because the majority of my audience 
yes, it was a historically Black university, which meant there were going to be a lot of African-American students on campus, but my Mm -hmm. audience was their faculty members, and I checked, and the bulk of the faculty members there were Mm -hmm. African-American, and I felt that the image of a Black baby would be more relevant in this instance with this activity than an image of Asian babies or (laughs) right Puerto Rican babies, you name it. So with those relevant images, it needs to be relevant to your topic and as relevant to your audience or Mm -hmm. geography as you can get. Yeah. I was delivering a keynote once to accountants. So I was very cognizant of okay, what do accountants like? Like they like math, you know, exercises, right? (laughs) So, you know, just that's, that's like a whole nother podcast too, right? Customizing to your audience, but definitely, yeah, those, those image choices tie back into who am I speaking to and what will be more compelling for them. And we talk about these high quality graphics and high resolution graphics. I'm going to share some of my favorite sites and they're probably some Mm -hmm. of your favorite ones as well, Diana. Some of my favorites, these are my go-tos for getting great images. That's going to be pixabay.com, P-I-X-A-B-A-Y.com. And these are in the show notes. Also, pexels.com, P-E-X-E-L-S.com. I also- Use that one. That, yep, that was the next one. And Unsplash. the third one is unsplash.com. You can get royalty-free images. Mm-hmm. Why do I say royalty-free? If you are delivering a presentation and you're charging for that presentation, you want to be very careful that you're able to use images that are available for commercial use because you are charging for that presentation. You are entering into this commercial space and you want to make sure that you're doing things by the book. And so those images, typically you're able to use them without giving any Mm-hmm. A mention to the owner of the image, but it's good form to do so. I do it on my slide. It's not a have to, but mm-hmm. I just like to give credit where credit is due. It's just yeah. a nice touch. Also, Google has an advanced image search that mm-hmm. you can use, and there's a filter toward the bottom of the page, if I remember correctly, where you can select that you only want royalty free or or, um, available for use in commercial purposes or something like that, or available for commercial use. Just, Mm -hmm. just do a search for advanced image search, Google advanced image search. And then there's all these options. And the one that I always make sure I select is the one that says it's going to give me results of Mm. images that are available for commercial use. So those are four of my favorite places, pixels, Uh, uh, sorry, pixabay.com, pexels.com, unsplash.com, as well as advanced image search on Google. And then there's some um, some places that you have to pay for, like iStock. iStock, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, PowerPoint, you know, for a while, the images weren't there. They were there, and then they weren't there. Now they're back again. So, you know, we are getting more access, right? And so, yeah, if you want to pay for more images, iStock photo is very good too. But so nice to have those free services where it's not proprietary and um, you, right, you don't have to worry about the copyrights, which is, which is really nice. And I think maybe one other thing to talk about, Bridget, when we're talking about using slides and using supporting visuals in our presentations is this idea of when you have that data projector in the room, and let's say it's not on the ceiling. So in some 
presentation formats, the data projector might be on the ground with you. And so what happens is it casts that bright light on the screen. And I think what some speakers maybe don't realize is that when you cross in front of that bright light, it actually is extremely distracting to the audience because all of a sudden you're in like a halo. You, you don't want to cross in front of it if the projector is on the ground. <laughs> Diana, if you can't tell, I, I mean, I, I don't understand. And I am the person on the planet with the least amount of spatial awareness ever. I promise. I don't know how people don't see that big table yeah. and they're standing right in front of the projector. And I'm here to tell you when I tell you, I have no spatial awareness, but that is one thing. I am very aware of Diana is spot on everybody. Make sure you are not standing in front of that, that projection light. Now you can stand behind it. Yeah. To the side of it. Yeah. So you get in that room and you figure it out. Like if it is mounted on the ceiling, no worries. But if you get in that room and you see, okay, you know, before everyone comes in, you walk and you see, okay, I have to stand here to the right of it. I can't move in the middle. And then I could go, I could go in front of it to cross over to the left side. You can still work the room. You can still walk into your audience, but you just have to figure out how I'm going to do that without crossing that data projector light. Right. Um, and you just figure out whatever I can move. You, uh, oh, that, I'm just, uh, you really made my day talking about that that topic. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't realize how much it bugged me, but it mm-hmm. really does uh, drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. What else about PowerPoint do we need to make sure we tackle? You know, I think the other thing that's important for listeners to think about, Bridget, is this idea of eye contact, right? So we talked about when you turn your back to the screen, but a lot of presenters maybe not knowingly will look at the screen maybe their back isn't turned to it maybe they're just turned to the side and they think it's okay but if I am reading off my screen I am losing my ability to connect with my audience because I'm not looking at them I'm looking at my screen right so there is that amount of focus you almost you want to be careful to keep that connection with your audience and eye contact is so important for that. So we don't read off the screen and we don't spend a lot of time looking at the screen. You know, Bridget talked about those monitors early that you can earlier that you can quickly glance at, but think about where is my connection? I want to keep it with the people in the room. It makes me think about a a job interview. Or if you're meeting with a new prospective client. And let's say you have notes, let's say, you know, or even you're meeting with the client, let's say you got the job. I'm going to have too many examples here. Let me just get to the point. What's wrong with me? If you're in a job interview and you have your notes jotted down of things you definitely want to make sure you say Mm -hmm. and key points you want to make and highlights from your career you want to bring out, you don't want to stare down at your notes or stare down at your phone where these points are written down, you want to make that eye contact with those interviewers. Mm-hmm. Or if you're on Zoom or you're in an in-person meeting with a client or a prospective client, and let's say you're 
selling or pitching a new service or a new mm -hmm. product. I get it. You may not know all the ins and outs to it, but you don't want to spend all of your time flipping through notes and looking at the material yeah. to try to figure it out. You want that energy and that eye contact with that prospect. And the same thing goes for your audience. You're trying to sell them on these great ideas. You're trying to sell them on a new approach. You're mm -hmm. trying to sell them on a new way to get motivated, inspired, and, and fired up. Yeah. And you looking at the screen or looking down at your notes or whatever is not going to be the ticket. So that eye contact is, is so important in, in, in generating that energy in the room. It really is. It's always, always, always about connection first and relationship first. And like Bridget said, you could look at those post-it notes on your screen. You could look at the screen behind you, but it won't be as powerful. It won't be as compelling. It won't have as much impact. So if we want to raise the bar and take it to the next level, and you want to become a better speaker, it's about right really working on, on that connection. And we do that by using our eye contact. Now, Diana, because of your very specific expertise, with virtual facilitation and your amazing book. Well, thank I you. need to ask you about slide decks in the virtual environment. Mm -hmm. And I, I know you, did you say that keynote was virtual that had no it was. slides, yes. right? So I don't, you know, talk to us a little bit more about that. I mean, is it better to have a slide deck in certain instances in the virtual environment or not? Or mm -hmm. what, where do we go with that? Yeah. So, so my book is called Next Level Virtual Training. So I talk specifically about the genre of training. So in that space of online facilitation, we're talking about learning. It is important, right, to have those supporting visuals to illustrate and reinforce points. So I would encourage uh, people who are doing online learning, online training to have visuals. But in that space, it's also important to keep it dynamic not static. What I mean by that is that those visuals are moving, or sometimes we take the visuals off. When I do a discussion question, we, we do a lead discussion prompt, we stop sharing visuals and we're just faces on camera so we can have a better discussion. So, you know, it's sort of strategic and purposeful at the same time. But when we are showing some visuals with um, training, you know, we can use tools to help keep them dynamic. For example, live annotation. So we were working with a medical client, for example, and she was showing sonograms and um, she was teaching us how to do that. And then we use live annotation to say, she'd say, okay, show me where the whatever is. And we would mark it and she would give us feedback or um, you might want to progressively build your bullets, right? So that you don't have everything show up all at once, everywhere all at once. You would just show what you need. We talk about it. And then the slide advances and shows the next part. And we talk about it. Like all of those kinds of things too create that movement, which also calls your attention. But we're also focusing and directing your attention. So visuals, I'm a very big fan of visuals. Uh, John Medina says in his book, The Visual Sense, trumps all other senses, um, but we just have to be very mindful and thoughtful and strategic about how we build those out and create them and use them. 
when you said you want to make sure that they're not static, that really resonated with me because especially in the online environment, if you are on a slide for a little too long, People yeah. wonder if there's some kind of a technological glitch. At least if you're in a physical setting, they can see you're there, you're moving, yeah. you're breathing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that if the slide stays up for a little longer than mm-hmm. you expected, then it's okay. But in the online environment, they can start to wonder, okay, are we still supposed to be looking at this piece of exactly. gum on the sidewalk? I, I know. I remember in the old days, like a slide would be up there for 10 minutes or it would be a 90 minute, you know, training that wasn't very effective. And maybe they had like six slides and you know, <laughs> so no, it has to, you have to have that, that movement to call attention and help focus people's, you know, attention on where you want it to be. And you don't want to slide the same slide showing for 10 minutes, for example. And <laughs> not at all. And for those people who really like formulas, I'm about to help you out. <laughs> so when you're designing your slide deck, I'm not going to tell you how many slides you should have for a 60 minute or 90 minute presentation. People used to suggest, or they used to have this formula where they said you need, you know, one slide for every six minutes of speech or something mm-hmm. like that. And no, not necessarily because Uh, people have different um, ideas and different journeys that they want to take people on in a presentation. I can do a 60 minute presentation and might, and I might have 80, 90 slides in the deck Mm -hmm. and it's not overwhelming. And Mm -hmm. you know, it's not craziness or anything like that where the, the, the audience is like, what's going on here. It's just the way I've choreographed my message. Right. So I'm not going to give you any kind of formula for how many slides you should have for a presentation, but I will tell you this in designing your slide deck, you want to have as few words as possible as we keep saying over and over again. Mm -hmm. But if you need to have a specific number, I want you to have no more. And I'm not crazy about this, but no more than five bullets of text per slide if you mm-hmm. have to have bullets of text. And I know there are some instances yeah. where you do need to have mm-hmm. text. Absolutely. There are instances where I have text on my slides. So yeah, without a doubt, no more than about five bullets. Seven is really pushing it, but yeah. about five bullets per slide of text. And with each one of those bullets of text, no more than about five to seven words per bullet, roughly speaking. You mm-hmm. do not want complete sentences. You want phrases, you Mm -hmm. want words and phrases. And then I want the size of your text to be at least 28 point font, the size of your text of those in those bullets, at least 28 point font. And then for the title at the top of the slide, I need that to be at least 32 point Bigger is even better. You want to stay away from those flowery fonts that nobody can read and all of that good stuff. Here's and we never, we never want to hear you say, I know you can't see this, but so that's a phrase you, you never want to use. <laughs> I write about that. Oh, do you? <laughs> yes, I write about that. And I love talking about this in person, Diana, because oh, yeah. I get overly dramatic with it <laughs> and, and it's not even imagine that it's <laughs> I tell people never have a slide that prompts you to say to your audience 
I know you can't see this, or I know you can't read this because Mm -hmm. here's my reaction to that. Mm -hmm. If you know that no one can see it and no one can read it, then why in the world is it even in the deck? (laughs) I just need somebody to to humor me on that one. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. And and it drives us nuts, right? So, So get it out of there or fix it or make it bigger, or just take part of it and blow it up. Zoom, you know, zoom in, zoom out, whatever it is. Uh, But don't use it if we can't see it. Don't use it if you can't see it. That needs to be a t-shirt and a bumper sticker. And a bumper sticker, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And then we might have to put in parentheses. We're talking about uh, slides here, people. We're talking about (laughs) PowerPoint slides. Now here's a little trick I learned so long ago and I love it. If there's a question as to whether you think your audience will be able to see and decipher Mm. what's on a slide, what I want you to do is go and print out that slide, that slide alone, but I need you to print it out so that it takes up the entire page. Don't print out the notes or the handout or what have you that has, you know, either three slides per page or six per slide. No, one slide on an entire sheet of paper. Put that piece of paper down on the floor, Mm. stand upright. And if you can read, just bend your head and read that slide from a standing position. Read everything on it. Then the text is large enough and clear enough for your Mm. audience. Oh, that's cool. That's a cool tip. Yes, absolutely. All right, Diana. So we this this episode alone is going to fix every PowerPoint slide deck in the world. Yes, we hope. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have we missed anything? I think we covered all all the biggies, and uh, these are these are great things for us to think about as as presenters and speakers and teachers and trainers. Yes, yes. I cannot think of anything else that I need to get on my soapbox about. Uh, the size of the text and not telling people, you know, they can't see it. I could go on and on. So I think we've hit everything. All right. Fantastic. Diana Howells, thank you so much for being on this episode with me. I had so much fun discussing PowerPoint slide decks with you. Thank you, Bridget. And thank you to the listeners until next time. Make sure you make sure you always own the microphone. Diana L. Howells, MA is an award-winning speaker best-selling author on Amazon, and a global virtual trainer who brings more than 20 years of experience in the learning industry. As a world-class facilitator, she has trained Fortune 100 and Fortune 500 companies, such as Merck and Nikon, as well as government clients like the FDA, U.S. Customs, and the USDA. And she has facilitated virtual programs in more than a dozen countries. She is the author of the best-selling 2022 book, Next Level Virtual Training, Advance Your Facilitation. Diana is currently CEO of Howells Associates, LLC, and a popular speaker at international conferences and events.